0: Uh, I am very excited. We're going to continue our series entitled Christmas Lights. And hopefully when you came in today, uh, you should have got a candle. If you got a candle, why don't you wave your candle at me this morning? All right, everybody. Very good. Well, we're going to pull that out at the end of the message this morning. Uh, and if you're watching online, I don't know, there's probably a candle emoji. Maybe you can light that thing for us this morning and uh, and help us out online. But we're going to come back to this at the end of the message today. Uh, but this morning, I'm excited because how many of you love Christmas? Anybody of you love The birth of Jesus Christ, the fact that everything that we have as believers in Jesus Christ really began in a manger, began with the birth of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And we began last Sunday in John chapter 1. Let's look at that again together. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was God, and the the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, speaking of Jesus, who is the Word, and nothing was created except through him. And the Word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Look at that first point, just a little revisit of what we talked about last week. Really, the whole heartbeat behind this message is simply this. Jesus is the light of the world, and he is the light of Christmas. His presence is the greatest present that we can ever receive, and his life literally brought light to everyone, and the light of Christ changes Everything. How many born-again people in the house today? Anybody here been born again? Amen. How many of you know that when you experienced the love of God and the light of Christ came into your heart and your life, it literally changed everything? everything. The light of Christ in our hearts and our lives changes everything. It changes our outlook. It changes our attitude. All of a sudden, we go from living in a world where many times we're struggling with bitterness and resentment and even hate toward the people around us, and the light of Christ comes into our heart, and all of a sudden, there's love, and there's forgiveness, and there's mercy, and there's grace, and there's restoration, and our lives are supernaturally changed because the light of Christ has shined in our hearts. But not only does does the light of Christ change our hearts? But think about your family. You know, one of the things I love to hear, I love to hear the testimonies of people that say, I was the first person in my family to come to Christ, or I'm a first-generation Christian. And what I love about those first generation Christian stories is that when you look two or three generations later, guess what? That person that was the first generation Christian has now created an entire generation of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Because when the light of Christ comes into your family, guess what? It changes your family. And all of a sudden, your family changes, your marriage changes, your parenting changes, your children change. And the way that you do life together as a family is radically changed all because the light of Christ has come. And the light of Christ changes our hearts. It changes our families. But you know what? Every day most of us get up on Monday through Friday and we go to work. And here's the good news of the gospel. The light of Christ will also change the place of your employment. When you take the light of Christ to work with you every day, all of a sudden you begin to recognize something. You begin to recognize that your coworkers are not the people that are competing against you for the next raise or the next promotion. Your co-workers are actually now laborers together in the work that you've been called to do and they are people that were created in the image and the likeness of God and you can go to work every day with an anticipation that today you get to bring light to the darkness and you get to change a world that could never be changed without the light of Christ that lives on the inside of you. I love the gospel so much. I love the fact that our employers pay us to come to work every day just so we can shine the light of Christ. How good is God that he actually pays you to shine for his glory. Amen. And then you think about, of course, not just our hearts and not just our families, not just our places of employment, but you think about our world in general. And when you look at all the good, there's a great book, by the way, that you ought to read. It's called, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? by Mr. Kennedy, I believe is Dr. Kennedy, is who wrote the book, and he begins to look through history, and what he does through that book is simply this, he begins to look through history, and he begins to connect the dots of Christianity, and what you begin to recognize is that at at the heartbeat of every good thing, at the heartbeat of a government that is by God, and for God, and for the people, at the heartbeat of every hospital, and every goodwill organization, at the heartbeat of every charity that has ever been birthed into existence, you You will find the light of Christ fueling and feeding those organizations. Before Harvard became the Harvard that we now know, Harvard was birthed as a ministry training center for pastors and Christian leaders. The most liberal college on the planet was birthed through the light of Christ because in the original days, it was the light of Christ that burst out to educate and train a world lost in darkness and the light of Christ changes everything and we have the honor and we have the joy of being the light bearers of Jesus Christ come on somebody we have the honor and we have the joy of being the light bearers of Jesus Christ so today why don't we look in Luke chapter 2 Because today is what I call as a pastor, today's Christmas Sunday, right? Today is a Sunday before Christmas, and it's an amazing day. And it couldn't be Christmas Sunday if we didn't read the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. And let me just challenge you and encourage you in this. If you do not have a family tradition that includes the reading of the Christmas story from your Bible, I encourage you. To incorporate that into your Christmas tradition this year. I encourage you to find a place in the celebration of your Christmas festivities with your family, with your children, with your spouse, where you actually incorporate the reading of Luke chapter 2, the reading of the scripture of the birth of Jesus Christ. Kelly and I have been married 31 years, and that first Christmas together, we we made a decision. We're going to begin every Christmas morning with the reading out of my good old school Bible, right? I'm an iPad techie guy, but on Christmas morning, I break out my old school Bible. You know, I open it to Luke chapter 2, and there we sit in our living room with our family when they were little at least. Now it's just me and Kelly and Levi, but we sit there, and before we open a gift, before we launch into the festivities, and we have a lot of them and we enjoy every one of them, it's such a joy just to celebrate Christ. We take a few minutes and we read that Christmas story, and we dedicate and consecrate our hearts afresh that morning, and we remember what we're really celebrating. We remember the gift that was given and the price that was paid and the sacrifice that was made. And we consecrate that time of celebration with the heart of Christmas which is Christ. And you don't have to do what we did. We're not doing the right thing. We're just doing the one thing that we do. But I would just encourage you, if you've not incorporated that into your celebration some way, somehow, in some form, I want to encourage you, make a decision. Make a leap of faith this year and say, hey, we're going to do something maybe we've never done before. Luke chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Last week, we began to examine how this Christmas story, how that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, brought to light the light of God, how that Jesus brought to light the love of God. And all of a sudden last week we kind of dove into that revelation that it was the light of Christ in a manger that revealed and declared the love of God an extravagant love that God so loved the world that he desired that none should perish but that all people should come to repentance and God sent his son not to condemn us but to save us from ourselves. And as we dove into the love of God, we are transitioning today. We're going to talk about today how the light of Christ brings not just the light of love, but now the light of hope. And how many of you know we live in a world that needs the hope of God today? Come on, somebody. And we're going to talk today about the light of hope, and next Sunday, let me remind you, next Sunday, the day after Christmas, don't sleep in, don't skip church, set the alarm, get up and come to church next Sunday morning, because next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about how Jesus shines the light of life, and how that the light of life that comes through the birth of Jesus Christ empowers us to step into a brand new year. How I many you know 2022 is just a couple of weeks away, and we need the light of life that comes through Christ as we step into a brand new year. So today let's talk about that light of hope. Let me give you a definition this morning. Let me tell you first of all what hope is not. Hope is not a wish. It's not an idea or ideology. It is not just even a vision for a better day. Hope in Christ is an expectation for good the word hope literally means expectation it means to expect the good that God has promised hope in Christ is an expectation of good it is an expectation that says I am expecting and anticipating the good that God has promised in his word if you flip the coin for just a minute we understand that fear is also an expectation Fear is an expectation of evil. Fear is an expectation that the bad thing is going to become a real thing. Fear is an expectation that what I, what I had, what my worst nightmare had envisioned to be might actually become a reality. And we live in a world where fear rules the hearts of people. But I want to tell you today, there is a lot of hope today. And His name is Jesus. And we can begin to live in that light of hope that has an expectation not of what might go wrong but of the good that God has promised in His Word. And let me tell you what's exciting about the light of hope. The light of hope that we have in Christ is rooted in the revelation of God's love. Last week we talked about that light of love and let me just go ahead and say it very boldly and very clearly today. If you don't see the light of God's love you'll never experience the light of his hope. Because the hope that we have in Christ is rooted in the love of God. The hope that we have in Christ is rooted in the love of God. Why? Because we're not hoping in circumstances. How many of you know that circumstantial hope can let you down, right? I mean, we've all done it, right? We've all seen it. You ever seen somebody get excited because circumstantially they thought all the pieces were falling together, and this was happening, this was happening, this was happening, and they start getting excited, and they're like, praise God, it's finally going to happen, it's finally going to come together, and then at the last moment, it doesn't. It falls apart. You ever been there, done that, got the t-shirt? I have. I've watched those circumstances. I thought, man, it's finally going to happen. Man, my prayers are finally going to come together. Wow, this is going to be awesome. And then at the last moment when it should have rose to an amazing glory and the hallelujah choir should have (laughs) sung, it crashed and burned and (laughs) fell between my hands. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because circumstantial hope, hope that is based in circumstance. Let's just be honest. That is really the kind of hope most people operate in. It's a hope that's based on what they can see happening. And if they see two plus two making four and they see the job and the family and all these things starting to come together, they finally get excited. They finally start to build up some hope. They finally start to have a little anticipation that something good might really happen to us. And then circumstances change and life happens and people make choices and decisions outside of your control. And the thing you thought was going to be the greatest day of your life might have become the worst day of your life. Why? Because circumstantial hope is an automatic setup for failure. That doesn't mean we shouldn't get excited. I I think I love the anticipation. I mean, just the anticipation of Christmas. Man, we got grandkids this year, you know, and I'm like, man, I Kelly worked me to the bones yesterday putting presents together. (laughs) I forgot how hard it was to put together kids' toys. I'm like, come on. But I'm so excited, you know. I'm excited. They're not really old enough to be excited, but I'm excited. I'm anticipating Christmas morning. They're going to open their presents. They're going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do all that stuff. And that's nothing wrong with that circumstantial hope. But if that's the only hope that you have, See, that's not the kind of hope that can save your soul. And that's not the kind of hope that can change your life. And that's definitely not the kind of hope that can give you eternal life that will last forever and ever and ever. That kind of hope only comes through Jesus. Only comes through Him. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Some very familiar scripture. You're probably going to know it as I read it. Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. And what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Look at verse 32. For since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I want you to hear what Paul says. Paul says, hey guys, we should have an expectation of hope. We should be excited and anticipating the good things that God is going to do. Why? Because if God was willing to give us Jesus, then everything else is easy. If God was willing and God loved us so much that he did not spare his son Jesus, but offered him as a sacrifice for our sin, then the temporal needs that we have in our life are no big deal for God. In light of the sacrifice of his son, everything else is easy. Everything else is easy. And if God loved us that much, then we can have hope. An expectation for good because we serve a God that loves us. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or are in danger or threatened with death? All of those things Paul himself had personally suffered. Paul had experienced the trouble and calamity. Paul had experienced persecution and hunger. Paul had been destitute and shipwrecked, in danger for his life, and threatened with death. All while serving God. All while loving Jesus. All while doing the thing that God had called him to do. Paul was right in the middle of the will of God. And trouble and trial and pain and heartache and persecution and tribulation and perilous times and even the threat of death came against his life. See, that exposes a lie, right? Because there's a lie of the enemy that if you're doing what God wants you to do, everything's going to be wonderful and perfect. And you're going to have a Hallmark movie life. I had to throw that in there for my wife. (laughs) But every circumstance in life doesn't end with a beautiful kiss at the end of the movie and it's all over with, right? There are hard times and difficult times and challenging times. And Paul asks a very legitimate question. He said, does all these things mean that God doesn't love us? Do we measure the love of God by the circumstances and the trials and tribulations? How do we know that God loves us? Do all these things forfeit the love of God? And then he goes on. Look what he says in the very next verse. He even takes it a step further. As the scripture says, for your sake, Lord, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, listen to this, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. King James says, and we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I heard a preacher years ago make this statement. He said, you know what what it means to be more than a conqueror? He said, I want you to imagine the heavyweight champion of the world defending his title and he's in the ring and for 10 rounds 6'5 280 pounds he's slugging it out with the contender and after 10 rounds he finally lands that blow that takes the contender down to the ground gets the 10 count he walks away as the still heavyweight champion of the world he wins two million dollars for the prize money and he goes home six foot five 280 pounds and he walks in the house and his five foot 210 pound wife takes the check deposits in the bank and go shopping (laughs) because she's more than a conqueror he fought the battle and she got to enjoy the spoils of his victory Jesus fought the battle we get to enjoy the spoils of his victory we are more than conquerors because he loved us And he loved us enough to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And then Paul goes on. He says, and I am convinced, verse 38, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fear for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is the love of God that is the foundation stone for the hope that we have in Christ. I have hope because God loves me. And the light of His hope shines into our darkness because of the light of His love illuminated the revelation that we are not abandoned nor orphaned. We are chosen and adopted and we are loved by God. So let's talk about that hope. So, hope in Christ illuminates the spirit realm, empowering us to see and receive what God has for us. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith and hope work together if I have faith I have hope if I have hope I have faith and all of a sudden it is that belief that God is good and it is that hope that is rooted in the expectation that because he is a good God that loves me I can believe God for the good things he has promised me and all of a sudden. It is that hope in Christ that illuminates that spirit realm. How many of you know there's a natural realm, but there's also a spirit realm that is more real than anything we have ever imagined? Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, But as it is written, the eyes not seen, nor the ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. God has revealed them. Your eye can't see it. Your ear can't hear it. Your heart can't even imagine it. But by the Holy Spirit, through the illumination of the hope. Let me just say this to you today. If you don't have hope for the good that God wants to do in your life, then you are going to be blinded to the realities of the spirit realm. It is that hope in Christ that opens our eyes to see what the Spirit wants to show us. See, if you don't have an expectation for good, then you're probably blinded by fear and more than likely living in a place of bondage. It's so sad when you scroll through social media And you see the hopelessness, and you see the fear, and you see the judgment and the accusation and the criticism that flows out of the hearts and lives of people. Let me tell you something. If you are critical, judgmental, and harsh toward the world, you are blinded by fear. But it is the light of hope that illuminates our eyes so we can begin to see into the realm of the Spirit and recognize the good things that God has for us. Look what Paul goes on to say. He says, verse 11, for what man knows the things of man except for the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We've been adopted into his family because he loves us and it is that light of hope rooted in the love of God that allows me to see the good things that God has for me. If you look at the world, you know the world says, well, it's a jungle out there. You know what Jesus looked at the world? You know what Jesus said when Jesus looked at the world? He didn't say it's a jungle out there. Jesus looked at the world and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Why? Because when you have the light of hope in your heart, you don't see the tragedy and the trial. That's not all you see. You see it, but that's not all you see. You can see beyond the tragedy and the trial of life, and you can see the goodness of a loving God and the good things that He desires to do, not just in your life and my life, but in our world that we are living. Look at John chapter 16. Jesus says this, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard and he will tell you about the future. King James says he will show you things to come. He's going to reveal the future. He's going to show you things that are yet to come. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Look back at that point. Hope in Christ illuminates the spirit realm, empowering us to see and receive what God has for us. The light of hope, hear me, allows us to prepare today for what is coming tomorrow. When you have hope in your heart, there is an expectation for the good that God has promised. And let me just say that again. It is the good that God has promised. We're not making up things. We're just believing for the good that God said he wants to do. How many know he's a good father? Come on, somebody. He's a good father. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to work through you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to bless your family, prosper your family. He wants the world to be saved, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants to rule and reign in the governmental realms of man so that life and blessing and peace and joy can abound in the world that we're living in. And so we're not talking about an imaginary hope where we're just in this fairy tale world believing for all these good things. No, we are talking about believing in the love of God to produce a hope for the good things that He has promised to us. For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And all of a sudden, when the, when the light of hope shines in my heart, you know what it does? It shows me things to come. And all of a sudden, I begin to get a vision of what God wants to do in my life. And when I get a vision of what God wants to do in my life, it allows me to begin to prepare today for what God's going to do tomorrow. So practically, it looks like this. You decorate the nursery before you have the baby. <laughs> that was my... See our pastor over there. James, are y'all holding out on us? Is there something we don't know? Amen. Christine said, help him, Jesus. It means that you prepare your heart for marriage before you meet the person you're going to marry. See, that's hope. I have an expectation that God wants me to be married. I have an expectation that God wants me to have a family. I have an expectation if I'm a man that one day I'm going to be a husband and one day I'm going to be a father. If you're a woman, one day you're going to be a wife and one day you're going to be a mother. So because of that hope that I have in Christ, I now begin to see today what God wants to do tomorrow, which allows me to begin to prepare now so that I'm ready to receive tomorrow what He has for me. See, it's hope in your heart that gives you a vision of a a ministry to reach the world. And it is that hope that causes you to study in private today so that you have something to say in public tomorrow when God creates a platform for you to stand on. See, that's what the light of hope does. And let me just challenge you with something today. If you are not preparing today for your tomorrow then you have lost the light of hope. Because where there is a light of hope, there is an expectation for good. I'm believing for something. I'm expecting something. I wonder right now if I had you to write down on a piece of paper what are you expecting God for today that He's going to do tomorrow, what would you write down? Would you have an expectation of hope? Would you have a dream and a vision that's been burning in your heart that you're preparing today because you know God's going to do something tomorrow? Or are you just living every day doing the things that you do, hoping and praying and wishing that one day it's all just going to come together and I'm going to end up right where God wants me to end up? Man, we have been given a lot of hope So we can prepare our hearts today for what God has showed you He's going to do tomorrow. Let me encourage all of our college students today. If you're in college, I want to applaud you. Let's give our college students a little round of applause today. Let me tell you why they deserved an applause. They deserved an applause because they had a lot of hope that saw a career And therefore, they prepared through a college to step into the future that God had for them. And I commend you for that. Because we need to live every day with a light of hope that says, every day I'm doing something today because God's taking me somewhere tomorrow. Amen. Amen? Look at that next point. Hope in Christ enables us not only to see into the realm of the Spirit, but enables us to see the hand of God at work in our daily lives. It is this light of hope that dispels discouragement, enabling us to endure and overcome the trials of life. Second Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul again, he says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul said the the present troubles that we have now are small compared to the overwhelming glory that God is going to bring into our lives. See, when I have hope in Christ, hope in Christ allows me to see the hand of God in the midst of my difficulties, in the midst of my trouble and my trial and my pain and my setback and my disappointment. All of a sudden, because I have hope, because I believe in a good God who loves me, then even in my darkest hour, I can see the hand of God at work. Anybody in here ever raised a few teenagers? Come on, somebody. I remember in some of those days, right? When they were doing exactly the opposite of what we would trained them and told them to do. We had hope. You know why we had hope? We didn't have hope because we were perfect parents. Because we weren't. We had hope because we serve a loving God. And in the midst of those foolish decisions, we could still see the hand of God. And what's exciting is even now as we look at our family and our extended family and we look at our church family and we look at the world around us and you see people in the midst of chaos and confusion, if you have a light of hope in your heart, you know what will happen? Not only will you see the poor decision-making, but you'll also see the hand of God. Because isn't it amazing how God can redeem our worst decisions? For his future glory. And it is that hope in Christ, it is that light of hope that allows us, listen to me, it allows us, it empowers us to overcome discouragement. See, if all you see is what you see, you're gonna be discouraged. Let me say that again. If all you see is what you see, you're gonna be discouraged. Because people don't always do what they're supposed to do. Circumstances don't always go the way they're supposed to go. And God doesn't always work the way I thought he should work. Come on, can I get an amen? And if all you see is all you see, then you're going to be discouraged. But if you have the light of hope, you're going to begin to see the hand of God in the setback and in the problem and in the difficulty and in the challenge. And you're going to recognize that in the midst of opposition, there is actually great opportunity because God is taking your present troubles and working with you and for you an eternal glory that will weigh outweigh it. And sometimes now Kelly and I will look at things going on in the hearts and lives of people that we love and we'll see poor choices and poor decisions and sometimes we'll just sit around and we'll laugh. Not at them, but we'll laugh at the fact that what the enemy meant for evil, we can already see God's going to use for good. We can laugh. The Bible says God laughs in the face of his adversaries. You know why? Because he's not in the hand of his adversaries. And we are not in the hand of our adversaries. We are in the hand of God. Amen? So that light of hope allows us to see the hand of God. And it empowers us to dispel that discouragement and endure the hard times of life. Let's just be honest. There are hard times And and I read a great quote by Mark Batterson. He made this statement. He said, the obstacle in front of you is not the thing you need to go around or go over. It's the thing you need to go through. Because as you walk through the struggle, you actually become the person that you need to be to receive the promise on the other side. And if you have the light of hope, you can endure the pressure of adversity because you see the promise of God's provision on the other side of the storm. That's what the light of hope does. Look at that next point. Hope in Christ empowers us to see beyond this world into eternity. And it is the light of hope that reveals resurrection life. We will live forever in the presence of God. Let me give you some good news today, guys. This world is not our home. Hey, we're just pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Hey, we're living for something bigger than this world. And it is our hope in Christ that allows us to see beyond this world and look into eternity. And it's that light of hope that gives us the vision of resurrection life. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. What an amazing statement. Verse 19. He says, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Paul said if following Jesus is just about the things we can get out of this life, you ought to feel sorry for us. But if following Jesus is about more than this life, then you ought to join us. Because there is resurrection life in Christ. Look at verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, that was Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, that's Jesus. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And I love Revelations 21. i look at verse 4. The Bible says one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And verse 4 says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And all these things are gone forever. It is that light of hope that we have in Christ that reveals resurrection life. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, for me to die is gain. But for me to live is Christ. See, when you have hope in Christ and that light of hope that comes through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that is now alive and well in you, when you have that hope in Christ, guess what happens? You no longer fear death. Now, let me just say, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't want to die because I love my life. I love my family, I love my church family, I love the opportunity that God has given us and I want to live every day for His glory. Come on somebody. And for me to live, as Paul said, is definitely, to live is for Christ. And to die is gain, come on, heaven is sweet. A place with no sorrow, no pain, no sickness, no disease, no parting over there. What a glorious place that is going to be. But it is that hope in Christ that allows us to not fear death so we can live life. I've had the honor of walking through hundreds of funerals and deaths in 20-something years of ministry, maybe more than that, I don't know, a lot. And I can tell you one thing, in the midst of death, when people say a temporal goodbye to their family and you shut the coffin lid, Grief is grief and everybody feels it and everybody feels the loss of the loved one that they're having to say goodbye for. But I can tell you this, the difference between those who are crushed by grief and never recover and those who bear their grief and recover can always be rooted and grounded in one thing and that is a hope in Christ. The more rooted and grounded you are in the hope of Christ, the more you can face death with confidence. That, hey, we're going to see each other again because this world is not my home. And we're going to live forever through Christ in the presence of God. Look at that next point. Jesus is the light of hope. And hope in Christ is the light that pierces the darkness of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says, Be careful then, my dear brothers and sisters, and make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Isn't it interesting that the writer of Hebrews calls an evil heart an unbelieving heart? A heart that turns away from the living God. I want you to understand, it is the light of Christ and the hope that we have in Christ that pierces the darkness of unbelief. Hell is filled with people who did not believe in the sacrifice of God's Son. People aren't in hell because they're worse than you and me. People are in hell because they rejected the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You don't go to hell because you're a bad person. You go to hell because you reject the sacrifice that paid the penalty and the price for your sins. His name is Jesus. And it is that light of Christ and the hope of life that we have in Christ that pierces the unbelief. It is the simplicity of the good news. The Bible says that through the foolishness of preaching, souls are saved. How does that work? It really works simple. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And this is what I want us to do this morning. You you received a candle when you came in. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and come in and get ready. And our ushers are going to come and they're going to light the candle of the person on the end of the roll. And then I'm just going to ask you, if you would, just to turn and light your neighbor's candle. And I want to share with you the last point on our outline. And if you're a note taker, we're going to leave it up there for you. You can write it down after service. But I want you to see this final thought as we light the candles. Y'all can go ahead and light the candles of the person sitting on the end of the row. And if you will, once your candle's been lit, if you will, why don't you turn and light your neighbor's candle. I want you to hear this last statement. Every time you share the hope that we have in Jesus, you pierce the darkness. Every time you share the hope that we have in Jesus, you pierce the darkness. The hope of Christ is a light that shines in the darkness. And the Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 5, we read it again today the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Every time you share the hope that we have in Jesus, you pierce the darkness. Listen to this next statement. Your testimony about what Jesus has done in your life is a prophecy about what he can do in someone else's life. Your story gives the light of hope. Revelations 19, verse 10, the last part of that verse makes this statement. It says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's that last verse, guys, on the screen. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? I believe it means a lot of things, but one thing I believe that it means is simply this. Every time you testify about what God has done in your life, you are prophesying of what God can do in somebody else's life. Every time you testify about what God has done in your life, you are prophesying about what He can do in someone else's life. Why? Because God is not a respecter of persons. And if God saved you, guess what? He can save them. If God healed you, He can heal them. If God delivered you, He can deliver them. If God restored your marriage, God can restore their marriage. If God filled your barren womb, God can fill their barren womb. If God broke the chains of depression off your life, God can break the chains of depression off their life. See, your testimony is a prophecy. And every time you share your story, you pierce the darkness. Just look around this room today. The light of hope in every hand, in every heart. And what I'm convinced of is this. I'm convinced that Satan works overtime to get us to keep our stories to ourselves. Well, everybody already knows, or nobody really cares. Let me just be really bold today. Let me quote you a scripture from Jesus. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Everybody doesn't know and people do care. And there is a world lost in the darkness of hopelessness that's waiting on the light of your story. And what I love about our testimony is our testimony is not just what God did then. Our testimony is what God is still doing now. Come on, somebody. Because He's still working on me. He's still answering prayers. He's still healing and delivering and redeeming and restoring my life and my family. And every day I've got a new story to tell. Because every day God in His love and His faithfulness has extended His hand into my life and into yours. So I want to give you a Christmas challenge today the holidays just over this week, you're probably going to see some family and friends that you don't normally see. You're going to hang around with some people that you probably 365 days a year don't hang around with. I want to challenge you to do something this Christmas. Share your story. Share the light of hope with your family and with your friends. And it doesn't have to be weird and it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to break out your Bible. You don't have to Bring in a podium so you can stand behind it. All you got to do is tell people what Jesus has done for you. And it's really simple. You know why? Because everybody at your holiday gatherings, you know what they're going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about their jobs and their families and their finances. They're going to be talking about all the things that are happening in their daily life. And guess what? The light of Jesus changes everything. So if they're talking about their jobs, guess what? The light of Jesus has changed your job. If they're talking about your families, guess what? The light of Jesus has changed your family. If they're talking about their finances, the light of Jesus has changed your finances. If they're talking about their own thoughts and the battles they're having in their own mind, the light of Jesus has changed your thinking. And no matter what the conversation, there's a testimony and a prophecy in your story. And I just want to challenge you. Let's share hope this Christmas. Let's share hope this Christmas. Thank you, Pastor. So I want us to do this. Normally we bow our heads and close our eyes, but we're not going to burn the church down today. <laughs> and all the elders said praise the Lord and thank you, Pastor Keith. So with every eye open and every head lifted, I want to challenge you with this today. If you're watching online or if you're in the room, If you don't have the hope of Jesus, the hope of Jesus that has taken away the fear of death and given you a confident hope that you will have eternal life in Christ, today is your day. Today is a day that you can receive the hope of Christ and you can have eternal life. So if that's you in this room today or if that's you watching online, I want you to do something very simple but very bold. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I've never accepted the the gift of eternal life through Jesus. And today, I want to make Him the Lord of my life, and I want the light of hope to fill my heart. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. Just all over this building online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. And you can say, Pastor Keith, I'm raising my hand. If you've never accepted the light of hope through Jesus, and I want you to raise your hand. Our ushers are going to slip a little packet in your hand today. We want to give you something to take home. We want to just encourage you and help you in the next step. But today we're going to pray a prayer together. Amen. So let's just pray this prayer. Eyes open and heads up. How many of you know you don't have to bow your eyes? Bow your head and close your eyes to pray. Come on, somebody. Yes. So let's just talk to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father. I believe Jesus was born Jesus. of a virgin lived a sinless life and died on the cross for my sins. I believe He rose again on the third day so I could be saved and forgiven. And I ask Jesus, the light of the world, to come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive the gift of the light of your hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. Come on. Praise you, Lord. We love you. Well, God bless you today. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. We love you, and we want to walk with you in this journey called faith because it's an amazing journey. For every person holding a candle today, I want to remind you as we close, here's your challenge. Share your testimony because your testimony is a prophecy of what God can do in somebody else's life. Let's share the hope of Christ this year. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a merry, merry Christmas. We love you guys. Amen. Amen. We love y'all. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great day in the Lord, and you get to keep...